Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. Today's episode is all about flexible work and I am joined by Faye Calderoni, an employment law and workplace relations partner at Paul & Wilcox. And as you'll hear in this conversation, she is absolutely passionate about creating healthy, inclusive, respectful and flexible workplaces in which we can all thrive regardless of our circumstances. So are we finally at the turning point we need on flexible work, flexible work that benefits both men and women and that can genuinely make life and career easier for all of us? What is still standing in the way? We recorded this podcast to mark a flexible working day which occurred this month and of which Faye and I are both ambassadors of. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, Faye. Happy Flexible Working Day. How has it been for you so far? Thanks, Ange. Oh, it's been an action-packed day today. Happy Flexible Working Day to you too. Thank you. Um, do you? I know that you have worked flexibly in different ways uh, for more than well, for fourteen years or so now. What does your working life look like at the moment? I mean, just sort of once your now that your kids have returned to school. Not quite post the pandemic, but uh, post the <laughs> lockdown period, or at least hopefully the end of the lockdown period. Yeah, we're we're getting we're getting closer to what flexible work um, might might look like, or what the what the evolution to flexible work as the new normal um, should be, and what we imagined it would be a, a couple of years ago. Um, the last. Well, what has has been actually exactly three months today. I realised tenth of March. Just uh, came home and pretty much have stayed home since then. Um, have not been normal. There's obviously been extraordinary um, as an employment lawyer um, that works, you know, with a lot of businesses and organisations. Everything from clubs and hospitality to aged care and retail. I mean, that the impact on our clients has been extraordinary and. Um, you know, they've faced with their workforces some of the biggest challenges that, that were ever imaginable. So the flow-on impact meant that, you know, sort of three months ago, that particular month, you know, March into April, was probably one of the most challenging of my career mm. over 20 years professionally. Um, we were doing, you know, we, I was listening to the announcements um, that were being made, uh, you know, about, you know, er, about sort of restrictions and social distancing and, you know, we will, if you recall, we went from 500 to 100 to, you know, no public gatherings and, you know, all, all the public health announcements that were being made, I was like taking notes and almost immediately um, having to consider what the impact would be on our clients and, you know, laws were, be, things were being announced before laws and rules were being handed down for job mm. keep up. So anyway, professionally, super tough time, but also, so first time, my world's kind of collided in that we had, um, I've got boys that are now you know, not almost nine and 14, so year three and year eight, um, and they were home full time for the first time. So when you work from home, um, you know, my work from home Monday, um, which is my definite work from home day um, for the last couple of years, has been my, you know, day of catch up and quiet and, um, you know, I have special work from home piles of work that I do uninterrupted. Um, that This was not that. Um, we, mm. we had homeschooling. Um, we obviously couldn't get the kids out to sports and activities. Um, 
fat, you know, would burn energy. Um, mm. Yeah, look, it, it was it was really quite extraordinary. I think it's it was a good opportunity. I mean, it's the fourth we say it's the fourth trial run um, for working from home, um, and it's an opportunity for everybody to to trial it and to see you know the benefits it can bring. But um, we have to know that it's so much better after the system it isn't um, yeah. what you know we imagined when we said let's evolve to flexible work as a, a new normal. Well, yeah, exactly. And this period, this pandemic period, this pause, um, and we've spoken about this previously on this podcast, but it it can't be a test of productivity because it's not fair to measure people um, and how they work during this period when they might have caring responsibilities or they might be um, finding it difficult emotionally or, or, or something else, you know. It, it's not a fair way to say, hey, is this work from home thing going to work for our business or for our employees or yeah. how does that staff member compare to that staff member because it it just isn't a fair period to do this in and maybe we'll figure this out if we are still in um, yeah. if we're still working from home this time next year maybe we'll we'll, we'll figure out uh, what it's been like and, and how employers have been able to um, make it work for their staff I think a lot of businesses actually I've been talking to to them a lot about you know sort of reanimating the workplaces as we're referring to it now and um, a lot of them have been pleasantly surprised about the efficiencies and productivity gains that there have been I mean the fact that um, they've been, it, it virtually happened overnight. You know, people were sent home. Um, we didn't necessarily have the infrastructure um, for that to occur. You know, a lot of them weren't, you know, didn't have like we do, for example, the Agile program in place. So um, the fact that, that it's happened overnight um, clearly means that it was going to be clunky at the beginning um, if they weren't set up that way. Um, but people have um, been quite, um, engaged in the process. I think there's been a lot of talk about what's been working and what's not been working, which means that, as I said, we can iron out the glitches. Yeah. And um, where there's been work to be done, um, lo and behold, people have done the work. Um, you know, we've found, you know, it's meant that I think, you know, managing boundaries and, you know, the mental health, um, you know, concerns that we have about sort of the lack of boundaries when people work from home um, probably have been heightened during this period because, it, you know, when we set up a, a, a proper flexible work arrangement or an ordinarily flexible work arrangement, you know, we usually say these are the communication guidelines. This is, you know, you know what's expected to be your normal hours. Of course, you're working from home, so, you know, it's expected that you're not um, you know, looking after young children who can't look after themselves, for example, all of those usual parameters that you would put in place um, had, you know, been taken away virtually overnight. Grandparents weren't able to look after kids. There were so support networks were um, taken away. So that that is the extraordinary part. I think, um, you know, there have been some, some instances, of course, where, you know, there have been product performance or productivity issues. Um, and they've been dealt with by exception. Um, but by and large, where there was work to be done and remembering how people are feeling a bit precarious and insecure during this time, mm. they've rolled up their sleeves and they've done it. And I think it's people have personally taken the hit in terms of um, the time and the work that was done sort of outside of hours or through the night or whenever it could be done. Yeah. Um, together with homeschooling and frankly that's why you know even with our people but a lot of our clients as well are saying 
you know what, before we go back to whatever new, the new normal will look like, it's time for a break. Take a yes. holiday yes. and then come back fresh. Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to hear that because it, it's, it's, it's so true what you're saying. And I did see um, a couple of surveys on this. I think it was from the staff at NAB and they were talking about how um, the majority had said that they had been able to be at least as productive or more productive during this period. And I kept thinking, imagine what it would be like if, you know, and presumably know. some of those staff have kids at home. Imagine yeah. what those survey results would be like if it was at a different point when it was regular term time. And it is it is amazing that it has um, across, you know, many workplaces gone pretty well in terms of, um, enabling people to keep working during this period and to keep having yeah. meetings and to keep up with each other, um, to keep in some cases saying staying social. There are obviously a lot of lot of concerns. There are concerns about um, particularly the safety of women if they are isolated yeah. at home and if they don't have that um, separation into an office or if they're not around people face-to-face where they might be able to voice concerns or things that are going on at home. There are obviously concerns yeah. around um, mental health as well and yeah. I think that it's to, to look at this over a really, really long period of time would, might, would, would be very difficult for some people and it's, you know, it's one thing to have kids at home and be trying to work around them but I also try to think back to yeah. my life before I had kids and how work was my socialising, it was my everything to, to be around people and to be networking and connecting and you know I really thrived off that at that time um so on flexible working I mean the other thing to note is that working from home is not necessarily flexible working in fact it could even result in less flexible working for some people so I'd, I'd like to just start giving given you're an employment lawyer and I know it has been a very busy period I've got a few employment lawyer (laughs) friends and I know that um, of all professions, um, this you know, the, you're one of the few that have really, really, really been very, very busy. You know, outside of the um, our healthcare workers, supermarket workers, and the essential workforce. I mean, employment lawyers obviously have had a really, really busy period during this time. So, but can I start by asking, when it comes to flexible working, what actually, what rights do we have? What, when can we ask for flexible work, and how far can we? Push it if our manager or our employer says no. Yeah, look, that's that's the that's the interesting thing. It's that the rights under the Fair Work Act are um, reserved for um, special portions of the you know population. Like they are people that are um, eligible to flexible work. So that's um, permanent employees, so full time, part time, or casuals um, with more than 12 months continuous service and who have a regular, uh, a reasonable expectation of ongoing employment. Mm. We're probably all a bit familiar with that definition now, given that it's been flogged in mainstream media, um, as it was also sort of what was listed from the Fair Work Act as who was not entitled to um, JobKeeper. So those that who that generally, as a general rule, were not entitled to JobKeeper are also mm. not entitled um, to flexible work under the fair flex to make a flexible work request under the fair work act um, when the act was introduced initially or, or over a decade ago it was limited to people that had um, children under school age so it was like once a child went to kindergarten um, that was when the flexible work request um, ended but a few years ago that was changed to now um, parents who have the responsibility of a care for care of a child 
um, who's school age or younger. So that's all throughout all of school. It includes carers within the meaning of the Carer Act. Um, anyone that has a disability, and that includes physical and mental disability. Mm. Um, so you know, if you need flexible work um, for for psych, uh, because because of psychological benefits that it brings, as a as opposed to wellness benefits. Um, people that are over 55 years have earned their own special category. Um, and then um, also more recently, it's been extended to anyone who is experiencing um, violence from a member of their family and anyone that's providing support to someone that's experiencing violence from a member of their family and household. So they're the people that are entitled to make a request, but the Fair Work Act only prescribes basically a process for making that request and that it needs to be within 21 days an employer can refuse um, to grant a flexible work request on reasonable business grounds. And Mm -hmm. I wrote um, and actually shared a piece today and that's the interesting bit because um, I think what was reasonable grounds before, uh, maybe reasonable grounds, no more. Um, at the mm. risk of priming, sorry, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> at the, um, yeah, poet. Um, but I, I do, you know, quite seriously, I do, I do think that it will be difficult for a business that has, you know, set up the infrastructure and sent the entire workforce home overnight and has insisted on, um, Productivity and business continuity during the pandemic, in the most challenging of circumstances, as we've just said, um, to turn around to one of these people making the request um, and, and and suggest that they don't have, for example, the infrastructure or um, the systems or the ability to accommodate, you know, particularly a, a work mm. from home request. If that's what um, they've been doing, I think we, we will. Actually, there have been surveys, and I can't remember by who now, um, that have indicated that there is um, more people are um, intending to return to work, or not not intending to return to work, you know, sort of in the office um, full time. I think KPMG ran a survey of their workforce, and we're certainly um, just collating the data of our own, you know, internal survey in terms of what people's ideal would be in terms of. Um, returning to work and, you know, whether they want to work more flexibly um, in the future. So on, mm, but, you know, take, going yeah. back to your question, mm. if um, if there's reasonable business grounds to deny the request and, you know, if, if the answer is no and the employee feels it's unreasonable, unfortunately the Fair Work Act um, doesn't penalise an employer for not accommodating that, it would then they only have to follow the process and it's there up to the person to take um, their complaint to a discrimination tribunal, um, state or federal Australian Human Rights Commission, for example, to, to challenge challenge it on the basis that they've been discriminated against, which is pretty clunky. Mm. I, I find it, this is coming from a lay person legally, but um, the idea <laughs> that like it's telling, it says who can and can't make the request. I mean, surely yeah. even if you are outside of that group, you can obviously yeah. still make the request. It's just obviously there's different um, parameters that, the, that your course. employer needs there's to no go to. But it's just such a strange. that needs to be followed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and it could just automatically be a no. And it is unfortunate once again, as is the case with JobKeeper, that casual employee, employee, employees 
who haven't been with the business for more than 12 months miss out on the option to uh, be able to make that request, just like they miss out on on JobKeeper, which I know that uh, I certainly have and a lot of people have had a lot to to say about that because we know that a, a lot of women are in that position. And it also goes to show that with the continuous employment um, aspect of it, that it, it makes it difficult for when you've maybe recently started a new job or even if you are thinking about applying for a new job or going for a new job, that whole idea of when, uh, I mean, I, I know this this came up in a conversation that I was having earlier on Flexible Working and it's that uh, I referred to my own um, mother's group and the experience of, of some of the mothers in that group who had experienced some form of pregnancy discrimination or having issues with their employer or their workplace mm. at that point a few years back. And that whole idea of, well, I can't just go and look for another job, I can't get another job because I've, uh, you know, I've already been guaranteed this level of flexibility, how I'm going to make sure yeah. I get that. You know, I've got to go and do my time first before I'll be able to work part-time and I'm not in a position to be able to do this. And I, you just see how, like, how much of a break it puts on women's careers and how often it could leave a lot yeah. of women um, in a situation that they're really not happy with or they're not um, thriving in yeah. at all. So do you have any... I mean, what would be your recommendation to people who are looking at applying for a new position um, and yeah. are considering, and it might be full-time, it might be listed that way, should they go straight up and try to request that flexibility or do you go and get the job first and then try and figure it out? There is um, de- it's, it's, there's definitely a, um increasing appetite for businesses to consider flexible work and regardless of the circumstances. I mean, the Diversity Council of Australia talks about mainstreaming flexible work and there are a lot of organisations that are attached and are members of that um, and that are, you know, sort of quite loud, you know, living loudly um, as, you know, sort of workplaces that have um, mainstreamed flexible work as, as we do. So to start off, please, you know, there are, you would focus on best practice employers that offer all jobs flex. In terms of if you don't know, the employer and you don't know whether or not you can make a, a, a request for the job to be flexible, um, or you, you can follow the process. You can go through the interview process and at the end, you know, make it when the offer is made, request at that stage um, for for the offer to be, you know, mm. um, on flexible, uh, be it part-time or um, job share or work to work from home. Um, but that, you know, there is, there is a risk associated with that if you don't know the organisation, you don't know their appetite in terms of, you know, if you've got valid grounds to um, argue that there was some form of discrimination, that you were able to meet the inherent requirements of the job and um, they didn't make reasonable adjustments, again, we end up in discrimination territory. But it's just not where you want to be at the start of, um, of the conversation or at the start of a career. I did want to pick up on, on the other side. I, I kind of want to flip it on its head, Ange, and, mm. and you, you'll probably agree with me that I, so long as women are the only ones that are making the requests for flexible work, and we know that you know, sort of 70% of women are in um, take on carers' responsibilities, 42% own. Um, don't uh, only 42% sorry return to work within two years of having a child and they're more likely to be in part-time casual and precarious employment I do think that the conversation needs to be about the take-up of flexible work for men and mm-hmm. mainstreaming flexible work um, has now been sort of something that was adv- has been advocated for for over you know, sort of 
probably close to a decade, but at least the last five years um, quite sort of loudly um, because, you know, so long as women are, are the only ones that are have a disproportionate responsibility for care and that's not just only, you know, um, care of children but also care of elderly parents, uh, you know, as, as you know, the years go on and into their 40s, you know, we see a lot of women drop out of the workplace or still have this conundrum about, you know, oh, do I stay in this role? Do I progress? Do I start a new job? Because, I, you know, I've got this flexible work that allows me to now not only look after the kids and all of their activities, but also mum and dad and whatever running around they need with doctors, etc. So I really do think that in order to help women, we need to destigmatize flexible work, we need to mainstream flexible work, and we need to make sure that men don't have their request for flexible work denied because we know that they're twice as likely to yeah. have their request denied. Mm-hmm. And we also know that a quarter of men that access flexible work or unparental leave um, are likely to be discriminated against upon to work. Yep. And finally, sorry, I know it's a very long answer, um, take up of um, parent, uh, parental leave or you know, sort of getting rid of the primary and secondary carer um, for um, parental leave. So getting men involved in the care of children early on mm-hmm. is critical to then increase the take-up of flexible work. And so, you know, childcare and any form of care doesn't become, you know, the um, sort of mummy land that they're not familiar with and that they're left, therefore not inclined to, you know, help with. Exactly. Yes. And I completely agree. It's a normalization that we need. And even to the point where we don't even call it flexible work anymore, it's just work. Right. <laughs> you know? work. Um, it's not part time, it's not full time. Yes, <laughs> just outcomes. It's not, it's not a place you go anymore. Um, so, yeah. I, and, I, and I, I know that the um, workplace gender equality, um, the, the Woodgear research on this, which does find that, um, like you said, that men are twice as likely than women to have their request. For flexible work denied. It is really, really concerning. One thing I will note from Woodyear is also yep. that they have really pushed for organisations to um, consider looking at targets for men working yep. flexibly, which I'd love to see a lot more of particularly. Do, do you see that kind of yep. thing coming up from your clients or is that not the kind of topic that they had broached with you? Yeah, look, um, that research says that 70% have um, a, a policy but only 2% have targets for for men um, yeah. to take up those um, to access those policies. Uh, what we're seeing is definitely a push for cultural change. We need um, leadership around this issue. We need sort of conversations. Like we've got a, a constant sort of dialogue and sharing. They have too much sharing sometimes on our Yammer about you know sort of men and all the things that they're doing with their families and sort of the um, how they are embracing um, flexible work. Um, and also, um, you know, as role models living loudly. Um, and in terms of our clients, um, I mean, these are certainly the conversations that we're having. So we've had, you know, quite a few that have, we've been involved in projects, you know, different project names, where project takeoff, I think, was one of them, where we, um, you know, sort of implement the flexible work policy. And then we've got guidelines um, for managers and toolkits for employees and definitely the conversation around the boardroom that we sort of all the all the executive sort of leadership team that I sort of step in and have before their internal rollout um, 
death is, is around this. I mean, that it needs to be not just another policy they, you know, sign and sort of pop on their intranet or, you know, that they expect their staff to access um, if they're not, um, you know, promulgating it and, and role modelling it and, um, and, and encouraging mm. and embracing it themselves. Yeah, and to actually role model it, not to, um, um, not not to call yourself working flexibly because you leave once a fortnight to pick your kids up from yeah. school or something, which yeah, is really right. not helpful because it just makes everybody else think that you know the the flexible work that they're doing or the flexibility they are trying to access is um, too much compared to what their senior leader is doing. So. Um, just finally, Faye, yeah. what do you see? So we're coming out of the pandemic. Hopefully we can pick up some of the good bits of what has been experienced for those who have been able to work from home during this period. But where do you see working from home and its relation to flexible work as well? Where do you see that going from here? And I'll I'll put it just from some of the conversations that I've had that we have heard from some tech companies say saying that you know staff may be able to actually work from home forever. I've heard it from other offices who never actually allowed staff to work from home at all, saying that they're now going to reconsider their office real estate and they're going to start to do like AV teams in the office and try and keep that up for yeah. as long as they can. So we're seeing some really big shifts, but. What, what do you see happening from here? Absolutely, I, I don't think there will be a snapback when, you know, in terms of um, a return to work as as it was, you know, in February this year. I just can't see um, from all conversations that I'm having. You know, yes, some are, are keen to get within the four walls of the office and to have the um, connection and in, in terms of social connection and some, you know, the infrastructure that that brings. Um, but most of the conversations with um, business leaders are that um, they are reimagining, you know, sort of what their workplace looks like. Um, they want to cherry pick the best of, you know, what has, um, you know, what they've learned from this period. I think we're having a conversation that I just, I, I cannot believe that we're having. You know, sort of two years after we've been talking about, you know, the evolution to this new normal. Every single person who's talking about, you know, the new normal everywhere, and um, it's a new normal because it's not what it used to be before. Um, and so, I, I think there is a, a great appreciation for the fact that um, that they will take from this experience the best part. Um, some of the benefits will also, of course, be um, the cost. Gains and the you know ability to reduce overhead costs um, from property and real estate. I know mm-hmm. there's been some discussion about in the commercial real estate space about that. I think we've got more empathy around what um, work from home means, and you know sort of that comment that you made earlier in terms of you know just the people not appreciating the, the struggles of the juggle and what it actually means to work from home and be able to deliver outcomes. I think you know for the first time everyone has seen it and felt it and can sort of um, appreciate that it's not just um, all, you know, baking cakes and, and, and you know, doing doing yoga. Um, I think that at the same time, there are mental health, you know, sort of benefits and it's sort of we, we, we appreciate that there is work to do on the mental health front and I think that's put a lot, brought a lot to the um, mm. forefront, but there's also wellness benefits um, 
from you know sort of having a more you know integrated and balanced life and I think they they are trying to cherry pick some of that um, and that's not just for parents um, it's not a men and women thing it's about the next generation and millennials and their engagement with the workforce and then being able to um, engage engage in sort of creative sporting um, and you know musical whatever pursuits um, mm-hmm. while also working and the benefits that that brings and then at the other end of the workforce you know our aging population and our ability to keep people and talent in work for for longer um, than was otherwise possible so I, I do think it is about sort of reimagining the possibilities and appreciating that um, you know this isn't normal the um, finally the <laughs> Mm. Uh, example we were just talking as a team and the example that I gave particularly around the march where we started um, you know our conversation I said not that I run anymore but it's like we've been on a treadmill like at a a really high speed like a 13 and then you drop back Um, you know we're at like a 9 or 10 now and it seems super easy whereas if we started here we probably might have felt um, you know, that it was hard to begin with. I think, you know, we, mm. this is, you know, we don't need to see flexible work anymore. Um, you know, there is some work to do with it. Um, but I think that this is, um, it, it's going to be so much easier post-pandemic. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's always good to talk to you about flexible working. It's just your, your, and you've written so many great articles on this. And so I encourage people to go and um, maybe check out that via what LinkedIn, your LinkedIn profile or your Twitter account, but you do share um, really great resources and, and pieces that you've personally written as well. So thank you. Thanks, Ange, and thank you to you and your team for the incredible advocacy in this space. You're a solid force. Thank you. And that was the Women's Agenda podcast for another week. Thanks for listening. And just a reminder that you can find out more on all the stories we discuss in this podcast over on our website. You can subscribe to our daily newsletter and also check out our new member platform designed to support our journalism, Women's Agenda Extra. Thanks for listening.